tonight on Huckabee, National Security Advisor John Bolton, the one and only Roseanne Barr, and Patrick Moore blows the lid on the Green New Deal. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Wilbury. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you so very much. Man, I love this crowd we've got in our theater night. They are fantastic. We're going to keep them. We're not going to let them go. The doors are locked, and they will stay for the next 17 weeks of our show. We like them. Hey, do you ever feel confused by what's going on in Washington? Well, you're not alone. Things there don't seem normal or rational, because they aren't. It's a fantasy world of power, money, and unrestrained ego. One of my good governor friends, Tommy Thompson, longtime Wisconsin governor, used to call it Disneyland East. <laughs> I think that's unfair, because Disneyland is a really fun place. <laughs> I mean, take the recent congressional hearings. Attorney General Bill Barr spent hours and hours taking tough questions from senators, some of whom like Crazy Maisie, Senator Maisie Hirano of Hawaii, never even asked a question, not one. She just used her entire time to call the Attorney General a liar, a disgrace, and those were the nicer things that she said to him. The following day, Attorney General Barr was scheduled to go through another televised colonoscopy from House members. <laughs> but at the last minute, the committee chairman, Jerry Madler of New York, announced that instead of elected Democrats asking questions, they'd have some Democrat staff lawyers to do it. So Barr announced that he'd be happy to take questions from the elected members, but he wasn't gonna sit through hours of questions by people elected by no one. A sitting cabinet member hadn't been questioned by staff since it happened back in 1987, some 32 years ago. Now you would have thought that Barr had spray painted graffiti on the Capitol dome. So when Barr didn't show up, for what was nothing more than a dog and pony show, the dogs and ponies went all out animal. <laughs> Congressman Steve Cohen of Memphis, who is one of the most profane, angry, and pompous members of Congress, put on his little boy pants. <laughs> and he brought a ceramic chicken to the hearing room and a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He placed the little toy chicken on the witness table and then proceeded to gorge himself on the finger-licking treat while seated at the hearing room table. Now, they should have set up a kiddie table for him. Even by congressional standards of juvenile behavior, he made a fool of himself. I mean, surely the people of his district in Tennessee can find someone more capable and less embarrassing to send to Congress. I mean, if you're gonna send a clown who eats fast food in the chamber, get Ronald McDonald to be your congressman. Come on. I mean, Cohen acted like he was a few fries short of a Happy Meal. <laughs> and after Barr failed to bring his own rope to the left-wing lynching, Nadler had a hissy fit and then assembled the Oversight Committee to vote on a contempt of Congress charge against the Attorney General. If you saw any of it, you saw a true spectacle of pious and preening Congress members seeking to denigrate Barr's character, even though what they accused him of was not giving over a full report from the Mueller files. What they failed to admit was that they actually had access to that report. But not one, hear me now, not one of those Democrats had bothered to go and read it. So they waited until the TV lights came on and they spent about six hours talking when everyone with IQ above broccoli <laughs> knew that the votes would be all Democrats for it, all Republicans against it. The contempt charge, of course. But it wasn't about the vote or even contempt. Folks, the real contempt is the contempt that members of Congress seem to have for us. Yeah. So, here's what it really means. 
Because Barr has said he was going to get to the bottom of government officials lying and leaking, and because he has pledged to hold accountable those who have participated in a conspiracy cover-up and an attempted coup against an elected president, Nadler and crew are left with only one desperate play, and that's destroy the credibility of the very one who promised to be a good cop and root out and expose the bad cops. Now, for that to work, you've got to be as corrupt and cranky as the members of Congress who are afraid of where a trail of truth will actually lead. But just remember, when they say it's about Barr's credibility, it isn't. It's about theirs. And some of these folks in Washington are scared to death that you are going to find out what they've been up to with your money. That's what it's about. Well, with missile tests putting Asia on edge and Iranian terrorism and nuclear threats putting America's military on alert, I paid a timely visit to U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton at the White House. And he had plenty to say on those two situations and much more. Mr. Ambassador, the world is on fire. We got issues in North Korea, Venezuela, China. What's the biggest worry that America should have right now in terms of global fires that are on going? Well, we've got uh, immediate issues with Russia and China on a range of uh, questions. These are obviously the two uh, most competitive powers for us in the world. But on an urgent basis, the threat of terrorism uh, and nuclear proliferation around the world very much on the administration's mind. Uh, these are threats we've faced for a long time, but uh, a lot of due bills are coming due in the Trump administration from past policy failures that the administration inherited we're now trying to deal with. Uh, Venezuela has uh, certainly surfaced as a major crisis. We're seeing Russia, Cuba, other countries inject themselves into, into, into Venezuela. Does that give you a greater level of concern than if it were just Venezuela uh, kind of finally coming to terms with the collapse of socialism? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Venezuela has the largest reserves of petroleum of any country in the world. And the idea that Russia, China, others would uh, end up in control of those petroleum reserves, I think, should worry all Americans. You know, this is an issue where we found enormous support uh, throughout the Western Hemisphere, with a few exceptions. Uh, countries support Juan Guaido, the interim president, uh, to try and get rid of the illegitimate, uh, as you say, quite rightly, failed government of uh, Nicolas Maduro. Uh, there's a humanitarian tragedy underway in Venezuela. Uh, and the possibility of uh, foreign powers gaining, uh, once again, a base uh, of operations uh, very close to America, I think should concern everyone. So this is not some idealistic crusade for democracy. Core American national security interests are involved here. Would we likely or possibly see uh, military intervention from the United States? Well, you know, the president's been very clear that all options are on the table, but he's been equally clear we want to see a peaceful transfer of power. That, that's why we've worked so closely with Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, uh, governments that are very important to us, our friends in Europe and around the world. I think really we see a kind of unity here uh, as well in the domestic political scene. I've, I've spoken with Democratic leaders in the House and the Senate. They've offered suggestions. We've worked well together. Uh, really, this is one of the few issues in a very partisan time in Washington uh, where there's near universal agreement. They want to see Maduro gone. They want to see Guaido in. A year ago, th things seemed to be moving positively with North Korea. Right now, appears just from the outside to be somewhat of a stall. Uh, do you anticipate there's going to be sort of a new wave of progress in getting North Korea to uh, look at uh, denuclearization? Uh, going back to the Singapore summit last year, he really held the door open for North Korea. He showed them what a potentially bright economic future uh, they could have if they just give up their nuclear weapons and other weapons of mass destruction. That's still there. Uh, president's still willing to do it. He's ready to meet for a third time when that's appropriate. So we're really waiting to hear now back from North Korea. Paint the picture for us, the Middle East, the, Iran, uh, the Iranian uh, sanctions, how they're working. The president's decision to withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal in 2018 
absolutely the right uh, decision to make. He's called it probably the worst deal the United States ever made diplomatically. That's, uh, that's exactly correct. Uh, we've put enormous economic pressure on the regime in Iran. That pressure has now been increased because of the elimination of the waivers for the sale of Iranian oil. We've put even more pressure uh, by designating the Revolutionary Guards as a foreign terrorist organization, which they certainly are. Uh, we've tried to strengthen the hand of our friends in Israel. The president's moved our embassy to Jerusalem. He's recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, a critical defensive position on the border with Syria. Uh, so I think the, uh, the government of Iran is now really uh, having to face some hard truths here. If they were to change their behavior, the president said a year ago when French President Macron was here, he'd negotiate with them on a new nuclear deal and dealing with their uh, ballistic missile program, their support for terrorism, their other malign activities. He'd be ready to talk about all that, put everything on the table. You, you have to feel like that this administration is on the right track uh, to bring a strong America and that position to the rest of the world. Yeah. Look, I think uh, make America great again in many respects means make America respected around the world again. Uh, we don't go on apology tours in this administration. President uh, being a business negotiator knows you should start from a position of strength. But I think the American people need to understand that uh, we've seen a lot of mistakes that preceded uh, the Trump administration. So that's one reason why we're so busy. Is there a hot spot that you're concerned about, that the president is concerned about, that maybe doesn't make the front page every day? Well, you know, what we're worried about now after the defeat of the ISIS territorial caliphate, which is a, a big victory for the West as a whole and for the United States, uh, is that the terrorists are going to go elsewhere. They're going to threaten us in other places. Actually, in Europe, uh, terrorist plots from Iran have increased over the past couple of years. So this is something we, we cannot forget 9-11. It seems hard to believe it's almost 18 years ago. That took us completely by surprise. We cannot let that happen again. Mr. Ambassador, always a pleasure to see you. Thanks for the job you're doing, and uh, thanks for being it's here. It's so good to see you again. Good to see you. <laughs> Ambassador John Bolton has one of the toughest jobs in Washington and the world. Keep him and our nation's security in your prayers. And by the way, you can watch my extended interview with him online at Huckabee.tv. And you can learn more about our national security advisor at whitehouse.gov NSC. You can also follow him on social media at AMB John Bolton. That AMB is for ambassador. I knew that. Keith, I don't know if you knew that or not, but I know one thing you know. You know what's coming up next, so why don't you tell our audience what we've got coming up for him tonight? Oh, I'd love to, and I'm, I'm glad you informed me. I, I learn something every time I'm around my company. Next, Greenpeace renegade Patrick Moore tells the truth about the Green New Deal. Then, the one and only Roseanne Barr visits with Mike. And later, Port of Grace performs. It's all right here on Huckabee. Welcome back. My next guest was a founding member of Greenpeace, but he left the organization when it abandoned science and logic for scare tactics and sensationalism. I want you to welcome the author of an absolutely incredible book, and I mean this sincerely. If you have any interest in the whole issue of climate change and science, I recommend this. It's called Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout. This gentleman is also a champion of sensible environmentalism. Dr. Patrick Moore. Dr. Moore, welcome. Thank you for being here. Your book is riveting, and, and in part because it's a very balanced and fair approach to looking at what's happening to our planet, what's, uh, what's our fault, and what's not our fault, and what we need to do about it. You're a scientist by training with a PhD and looking at this. We hear today that the science is settled when it comes to the climate. Is it, is it that settled? What they really mean when they say climate science is someone who agrees with what I think. And when they say climate scientist, they mean someone who agrees with all of the narrative about CO2 causing global warming 
and it's catastrophic and all of that whole narrative. And anyone who doesn't agree with them is not a climate scientist, but rather a climate denier. Yeah. And that is to conjure up the Holocaust and to make us look like we're evil. Facts and science are not about a majority. If you look back to Galileo or Darwin or Mendel or Einstein, they all had to fight sometimes for decades, even till they died, against a false consensus in order to get the truth out about what was really happening in this world of ours. At what point did you feel like Greenpeace as an organization had kind, and I, you use the term in your book, you didn't leave Greenpeace, it left you. When I joined Greenpeace, it was to help save the world from all-out nuclear war, and then to save the whales from extinction, and to stop toxic waste going into the rivers and into the air. These were what I thought were the most important things I could be doing at that time for the environment. And then it, it gradually changed. The peace kind of dropped off Greenpeace, the peace being about people, the, the green being about the environment. And suddenly, my fellow Greenpeacers and the rest of the movement began to describe humans as the enemies of nature, as if there were too many of us and actually we were, were kind of a bad species to begin with, as if we were the only evil species and all the other species were good. And I just could not accept that because I know we come from life just like all the other species do. We're all part of nature. And the first lesson of ecology is in fact, we're all one system here on this earth, all interconnected with each other. Let's use the term New Green Deal. Good deal? Bad deal? No deal at all? Well, it's just a slogan, I guess, at the very best. Uh, the New Green Deal basically says that we have to completely eliminate fossil fuels from our whole society. And whereas there are lots of things that we could do to change our pattern of energy consumption, I mean, fossil fuels are about 85% of global energy, and the same for the United States. The, the, the other two most important ones are nuclear energy and hydroelectric energy. The wind and solar, even though they've spent trillions on it with massive subsidies, is still less than 1% of global energy. Mm. And there is no possible way that it is ever going to become a mainstream source of power. First, because it's intermittent. Second, because it's expensive. But in the end, for example, all commercial shipping should be nuclear because mm. you've got the Russian icebreaker fleet is all nuclear, and four countries have nuclear navies, aircraft carriers, and submarines. It's easy to power large ships with nuclear propulsion. So that would save a lot of oil. And the same thing is true of electrifying the railroads. This can be done with nuclear energy. And so there's lots of ways that we can use nuclear to replace uh, fossil fuels, but the so-called green movement is adamantly opposed to nuclear energy and, in fact, to hydroelectric energy, which are the two main technologies that could actually replace fossil fuels for certain uses. You know, when I hear people say we only have 12 years left and then we're all done anyway, and if we don't get rid of all fossil fuels in 12 years, we're going to be extinct. And I'm thinking, how do you replace all the airplanes and the cars? I mean, I'm th I fly a lot because I travel all the time. And solar panels on an airplane may be a great idea, but I would never want to fly at night ever again. I mean, uh, it doesn't look good. I, just, I can't imagine that being very healthy. But the, the other thing we hear so much about, Dr. Moore, is the idea that um, the carbon footprint that we're making is unsustainable and it's going to raise the global temperature and we're going to burn up polar capsule melt. Forty years ago, when I was in college, what I remember being told was, in 10 years, we were all going to freeze to death and global cooling was going to turn us into human popsicles. So which is it? The main point to know is because this is all blamed on carbon dioxide mm. and they love to call it carbon, even though carbon dioxide is not soot. It is an invisible gas that is necessary for life. As a matter of fact, it is the building block of all life. All the carbon in carbon-based life, which is you and I and every other living thing on the planet, comes from carbon dioxide, either in the air or in the sea. So carbon dioxide is, in fact, the building block, the very essence of life. That's where all the carbon is from. And putting some of it back into the atmosphere where it came from is not a sin. It is, in fact, 
a very useful thing to be doing as it is resulting in the greening of this entire planet. And I just wish more people would listen to what I would call genuine scientists like yourself. You have a phrase that you, you speak of in the book that I thought was very powerful because I, it's the most balanced approach, sustainable environmentalism. So describe what that means, sustainable environmentalism. Well, for our sake, <laughs> today and for the next few decades, yeah. sustainable simply means will continue to last for a long time at the present rate of use. Now, it, these are, it's really interesting because renewable, you'd think, oh, well, renewable, everything renewable is sustainable. Not if you overfish it, it isn't. Mm. Not if you overcut it, it isn't. And some things that are non-renewable are very sustainable, like iron ore, for example. There's enough iron ore in the Earth's crust to last for a trillion years. Mm. So people have to learn these words, and they're all in my book, described more clearly than they are in the, in the media, which distorts words left and right. Dr. Pat McMoore, thank you so much for bringing some very genuine and cool rationality to the often overheated subject of climate change. You can also watch more between the two of us online at Huckabee.tv. And to read Dr. Moore's latest articles or to invite him as a speaker, get his book, Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout, his website is echosense.me. That's echosense.me. Keith? Next, the guest we've all been waiting for, America's brightest comedy star, Roseanne Barr, joins us. Then we've got the news that will make you smile. And later, former wrestling star Mark Merrill works to stop bullying in schools on Huckabee. Welcome back. My next guest is an Emmy-winning comedy legend. She's a best-selling author, and hey, she's a fellow presidential candidate. Her comedic genius brought the reality of working-class American life to TV, and it revolutionized sitcoms forever. I want you to please welcome the original and the still-reigning domestic goddess, Ms. Roseanne Barr. I've never had a welcome like that. Oh, it was sure nice. That, well, they love you. That's very nice. We're That's happy nice. to have you here. You know, I thought it might be nice uh, to make this interview really interesting. You and I have both taken Ambien. Okay, and, let's uh, do it. <laughs> that ought uh, 15 <laughs> minutes in, and boy, <laughs> we're going to make news, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. I quit taking the Ambien <laughs> Did you you? Know, after that terrible uh, ambient accident that I had. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was so unfair. And Wasn't I think, it was terrible? Well, it was. I mean, you, you tweeted something out in the middle of the night. Yeah. And uh, you apologized for it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but you apologized for it, if it you know, and that, that's all you can do. Yeah. But you didn't get a second chance. Mm -mm. I mean, I'm watching Alec Baldwin. He can beat somebody up on the street. Mm-hmm. And, and give all kinds of slurs to yep. people and call them names, mm -hmm. that's okay. And then yeah. um, James Gunn that had over 20,000 pro-pedophile tweets, they didn't fire him. Well, they did fire him, but they hired him back. So why are they treating you differently? Um, I think that, you know, I like President Trump. Well, that, that'll get you in trouble in Hollywood. He likes you, by the way. I know he does. He loves you. Yes, he's very nice to me. He let me play at his casino uh, to do one of my HBO specials. And, but I things. like what he's doing for our country, too. You know, I, I do, too. When your show came back, The Revival of Roseanne, there, there was such an incredible reaction to that. Yeah. Because it was really the only show that was depicting what life is like for working-class families, people who stand on concrete floors right. for eight and ten hours a day for years and years yeah. doing that. People who do the work that makes our country run. That's exactly right. These are the real heroes of day-to-day -day America. And it was almost like there was such a hunger for it. 
and it was a huge hit. It was, and I, I just always, you know, still thank my fans because it was roughly about a year ago that the show came on and it had 28 million viewers, and it was um, the biggest show in, I guess, eight years that had been yeah. on any network, and I just thank all you and all my fans for that. It was a wonderful feeling. You have also, you've been very involved and outspoken for Israel. Right. When so many Hollywood people are afraid to. Yeah. And I deeply appreciate that. Thank As a you. longtime friend of Israel and somebody who believes that our alliance with them is critical yeah. for peace in the whole world and especially the Middle East. Yeah. Thank you, Roseanne, for standing up against the BDS, the boycott, the vestiture sanction movement as you have so courageously done. Tell Thank me about you. your connection to Israel. Well, I think I'm, I know it, but you go yeah. ahead. Well, I'm Jewish. That has a lot. That has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And also, some of my family lives there. Um, I have an aunt and uh, a couple aunts um, that live there, and they were, uh, had it not been for the state of Israel, they would not be alive because they were smuggled out as children from Lithuania and brought to... Israel before it was even a state and uh, and then I have you know all of their husbands and kids and all that big family there and that is a um, very typical story and you know uh, there's one million refugees from every Arab state who've gone to Israel too and left behind their wealth of centuries you know it's a place of uh, great faith too mm. and uh, that's another reason why I like it Back in the late 70s, early 80s, your stand-up comedy career got going. Uh -huh. You were such a hit. You'd go on the late-night shows, and, I mean, you were, you were unlike any other comedian that was breathing air during that period. Thank you. You yeah. were honest. You were talking about issues that really people could relate to if they, you know, lived like you talk about in the flyover country and in the yeah. normal, hard-work environment of America. And then... When Roseanne, the show started, it's still on. By the way, syndication yeah. on number of networks. Been on like uh, sometimes five times a day, which um, is amazing. For Thirty years. The show ran for like nine years, mm -hmm. got so many awards: Emmys, Peabody's, Golden Globes. Yeah. And uh, you know, when it when it left the air and then came back, a lot of the same cast brought mm -hmm. back. I got to ask you, how hurt were you? when some of those folks didn't stand with you quickly. Oh, it was just devastating. That the, had to have been The painful. whole thing was devastating because I was not allowed to explain myself. And um, it's really about the worst thing in the world to be accused of something that you feel you, you, know, you didn't do and say something that you didn't say. Yeah. And um, then to be so you know, viciously attacked by people that I thought loved me. They were like me. family to you, weren't they? Yeah, I thought they loved me. But, um, you know, that's life in the city, folks. Well, it's not like Roseanne has uh, decided to retire. You've got a, a tour going across America called the Alive and Kicking Tour. Yep. Tell us about the stand-up routine you're going to be taking across the country. Well, it's just so great to be performing and uh, being able to jam and be free, you yeah. know, and not having people in suits go, you can't say that, just like <laughs> letting it fly. And the first <laughs> the first night, which was last week, I hadn't been on stage for a whole year, you know, and I just was like so nervous. I didn't even know if I could do it. But, well, I got out there and I just, I don't know what, I got in the sweet spot, you know, when you're a performer <laughs> and you just feel the gear. It took me a few minutes, too. People were, like, looking at me like they were scared. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> but then I got in the groove and I ended up doing two solid hours. Wow. <laughs> I locked all the doors so people <laughs> couldn't leave. They wouldn't have wanted to leave. You gave them their money's worth. I'm like, nobody's leaving. I'm on. <laughs> I think all of us regret what happened to you, but we're glad that you are alive and kicking and you're not going to just roll over and let them win. I'm not going to let them win. Roseanne, God bless Thank you. Thank you. God bless Thank you. Thank you so very much. So there's lots more with Roseanne and me online at Huckabee.tv. Don't miss a minute of it. And if you're ready for a fun evening with this iconic star, Go to RoseanneWorld.com and get tickets to her Alive and Kicking tour. Check out her May 16th 
tour in Fort Wayne, Indiana, May 17th in Elkhart, Indiana, May 19th in the Motor City, Detroit, and many, many more stops after that. For all ticket information, dates, and other things, Roseanne, visit RoseanneWorld.com. It's right there on your screen. And you can also watch the classic Roseanne series in syndication. Check your local listings. Keith, good luck coming up with anything bigger than me having the opportunity to visit with Roseanne Barr right here tonight. I probably can't top that, but I can give it a good shot. Next, the funniest headlines and news on In Case You Missed It. Then, Eric Metaxas announces his new television show. And later, Point of Grace performs a classic number from their new album. From bears on holiday to unique gifts for Mother's Day, we've got the news that'll make you think that we don't have enough Democratic presidential candidates. <laughs> All on this little segment we like to call In Case You Missed It. All right, right here in the great state of Tennessee, Hannah Elizabeth Strickland had the vacation surprise of her life. No, David Hasselhoff wasn't waiting with a bottle of champagne in her rental cabin. But there was a different uninvited guest in the hot tub on her back porch. A black bear was taking a nice, relaxing soak. He actually was one of three bears that she had spotted earlier wandering around the property. I guess the other two didn't get in because, well, one thought it was too hot. The other thought it was too cold. But the third bear said, it's just right. And besides, you can't put three bears in one tub because it would simply be overbearing. <laughs> I know that pun was unbearable, and I've probably taken them too far. <laughs> so let's just press the pause button and move on. Yes, we will. Matthew Aris had the perfect idea for getting through heavy traffic. Install police lights in his car that looked like an unmarked police vehicle. Just flip the switch, fire those police lights, and boom, park the waters of rush hour traffic. I mean, what could go wrong? Well, almost nothing, except maybe in a weak moment trying to pull over a real police officer. Yeah, there's that. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office in Florida reported that Mr. Aris was posing as an officer when he flipped the red and blue lights on his SUV to try and pull over a car while driving along in Plant City, Florida. But the driver of that car just happened to be a real undercover detective in an actual unmarked car. The officer didn't stop. Instead, he called another deputies to bring Mr. Matthew Aris to justice. Governor. Governor yes, uh, yes, Keith. If I, if I may interrupt. That, that kind of reminds me of the time some local citizens reported a, a hole in the privacy fence of a nudist camp. Did you hear about that? Uh, you know, I'm not sure why, but I got to ask, so what happened, Keith? Well, the police are still looking into it. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, I think we're going to turn you into the police for impersonating a comedian. <laughs> well, Mother's Day weekend is this weekend, and no one deserves to be honored and loved more than the mothers in our lives. So we thought we'd take a little peek at some of the more unique gifts that we all have a chance to give our moms to make a memory. How about this? A pair of the latest in footwear fashion, cowboy boot sandals, yes. Nothing says you're special like a pair of these from RedneckBootSandals.com. <laughs> or while we're plumbing the depths of Redneck Mother's Day gifts, how about this one? Solving the age-old question, how can mom brush her hair and open a bottle of beer? Or a Coke for teetotalers like me? Well, look no further than this beauty item at <laughs> BottomsUpBrush.com. <laughs> I'd like to think that anyone imbibing on Mother's Day is not too worried about how their hair looks anyhow, right? 
And how about surprising mom with a unique gift that gets her into the whole CBD oil craze, huh? This is the Mantra Mask. It helps rejuvenate skin with vitamins, powerful antioxidants, and a healthy dose of CBD, a popular cannabinoid. Plus, you'll be able to say, yeah, mom's pretty chill these days since she started using these facial masks made out of pot. <laughs> and no, they're not hallucinogenic. All natural CBD. You can find out more at mantramask.com. And finally, everyone's mom appreciates a nice toasty pair of slippers, especially when they're made out of bread. An actual pair of loafers. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, they're only $16.99 a pair. That's not a lot of dough for a unique <laughs> gift like that. I just wonder, do they come in white and whole feet? Did you hear what I did there? Whole feet, right? Huh? Sorry, I was just being a little wry. You can find them at the ApolloBox.com, but I got to ask you something. I mean, who on God's earth would want to eat bread that's been on your mama's foot? I'm just putting it out there. Well, we hope moms all across the country are blessed this Mother's Day weekend. We truly do. And now, just like Theresa May and her Brexit plans, we've run out of time. But always remember, we read the news. My next guest is a New York Times bestselling author and a popular radio host. And beginning next week, he's going to be bringing his wit, wisdom, and culture-challenging talent right here to TBN on the Eric Metaxas Radio Show. Eric, I'd say it's about time that you join Mike Rowe and me on this amazing new journey on TBN. Welcome to the team. Well, I hate to start out by agreeing with you, but I agree it's about time, and I am thrilled to be on the team. You understand that uh, when our friend Matt Crouch said, we've got Mike Huckabee on TBN, I thought, whoa, game changer, channel changer, I'm in. Let's get right into the show. Tell us what we're going to experience when we watch the Eric Metaxas radio show on TV. Every week uh, on the Salem Radio Network, I do two hours a day of radio. Uh, and the folks at TBN said, hey, what if we were to take all those amazing guests that you interview and we'll take the best of the best and we'll put it on TBN every weekend. The only thing we need is cameras because it's TV. And I thought, well, it's true, you need cameras. But other than that, it sounds like a great idea. One of the things I want us to discuss for a moment, and I have a feeling you're going to be talking about it on your uh, show the pro-life movement is under siege, and this past week we saw some very disturbing video out of uh, Philadelphia. An elected state representative, Brian Sims, yelling and screaming at both teenagers and an older woman, calling her an old white woman, screaming at her on the sidewalk. Uh, interestingly, this past week, uh, hundreds, maybe several thousand pro-life people showed up to basically say to uh, the very hateful Mr. Sims, you're not going to bully us into being quiet. How significant is it that people are standing up to these bullies? We're living at a time right now when I think the dark forces, and I don't mean political forces, I mean spiritual forces, understand their time is short, understand that, uh, you know, there's a new sheriff in town with regard to uh, the White House, and there's certain things that are happening uh, that really are disturbing to those who don't believe the unborn is, is a human life. And I think we have science on our side. I think because you have 4G, you know, ultrasounds, 4D ultrasounds, people uh, on the hard left on this issue, they're getting really scared. And what, what that means is they're not even trying to argue. They're using bullying tactics. We need to understand that in America, you can't do that. You're not going to get away with it uh, as long as folks like you and me and a few other millions uh, are around. You're just not going to get away with it. Welcome to TBN, Eric. And let me tell our audience, be sure to watch the Eric Metaxas Radio Show. It's going to be right here on TBN every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, beginning May the 17th. Then an encore airing on Sundays at 10.30 Eastern. You're going to enjoy special guests like Morgan Freeman, Judge Ken Starr, SNL's Victoria Jackson, and a certain former governor from Arkansas. And I'm not talking Bill Clinton. By the way, you can also enjoy Eric's thoughts and writings at ericmetaxas.com and on social media at Eric Metaxas. Keith, why don't you tell us what else we have coming up on the show tonight? 
Well, Huck's hero Mark Biro goes from the wrestling ring to the classroom to help stop bullying in school. Then Point of Grace performs right here on Huckabee. Well, from WWE superstar to inspirational speaker, tonight's Huck's hero uses his experience in life and in the ring to inspire students all over the country to stand up to bullies. His message of hope gives them the encouragement they desperately need. You show me your friends, I will show you your future. See, there was a time in my life I didn't want to be here anymore. And I remember looking up and just saying, Mom, you are my hero. Everything I am, everything I hope to be was because of you. We are defined by our choices. I learned what is truly important. See, we have two lives, the one we're born with, and the one we make. And the greatest risk in life is not taking one. You're gonna miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We can no longer back down. We can no longer sit down. We are gonna stand up, step up, and speak up against bullying and abuse. We are gonna be the voice of the voiceless. We are gonna bring hope to students who've been hopeless. Say, I believe. I believe. I believe. Mark Miro tours the country empowering students to live beyond the abusive words spoken over them. Would you please welcome our Huck's hero, Mark Miro. Mark, thank you for joining us. What a thrill to have you here. And I, I tell you what I admire. You, I mean, you were in the ring, you, your life was all about fighting, and now you're telling students, keep it the fights in the ring, but don't go out there and hurt other people. No, you know, it's a, it's, it's a different world today, Mike. You know, we're, you know, we were kids, you know, you might have been bullied, but at the end of the day, you, you went home and the bullying stopped. Now you can bully a kid 24-7, you know, but worse than that, I do about 250 events a year. Mm, been to schools all over the country. In fact, I leave for Guatemala on Monday. And what I notice is, is we're really experiencing a mental health issue in our country mm. that we really have to address. You know, many schools have a counselor for every four, 500 kids, but we need mental health specialists to deal with many of these problems kids are going through, anxiety and depression. The video games, the smartphones have become babysitters for many children. They're being raised by a device rather than being raised by a mother and a father who don't even want to tell them no for fear their kids will be mad at them. You know, you know it's like the, the inmates are running the asylum at this point in our lives, you know. We've got to take control of our families. Turn the phones off. Have dinner with your kids. Look in their eye. Ask them how, they, how, they, how, how their day was, what's going on in their life. You know, talk to kids. kids. You know, kids want boundaries. As much as they say they don't, they want say boundaries. Say that again. Kids and students want boundaries. People don't believe that. Mark. Oh my gosh. Uh, you're talking to thousands of kids every year, thousands of kids, and you come away with the conclusion, talking with them, that they want boundaries. They don't want to just be turned loose. No. Mark, you, you had a successful career in WWE. You didn't need to do this. You, you could have gone on and done things that would have made you a lot of money. What motivated Mark Miro to say, I'm going to give my life to go out and do 250 events a year with kids? Well, first and foremost, you know, I, I, it's my faith in God. Hmm. And, and I, I got to tell you, as, as, a, as a follower of Christ, there's no greater joy than helping another person. And that's where I really find my happiness in life is making a difference in somebody else's life. You also have had a video go viral for Mother's Day. It has had millions of views on YouTube. What was the message that struck such a nerve oh, with people? Oh, gosh, you know, my mom was the most amazing person. She always prayed pray for me, you uh -huh. know? <laughs> and I guess I finally became the man she always <laughs> knew I would be. But, you know, I, I treat my mom terribly. And uh, through alcohol and drugs, and um, she'd always wait up for me. Mm. stay up all night long. I come in three, four in the morning and she'd sit in this chair and I had to walk by that chair to get to my room. And she always wanted to talk to me. I never had time. And I, I'll never forget that. I was, I was wrestling in Japan. I heard that she, my, they got a phone call that she passed on. Oh. I'll never forget walking out into the street in Hiroshima, Japan, and just looking up and saying, mom, I am so sorry. 
You know, the, the things in life we often take for granted are the things we should appreciate. Mm. And that's family. That is a powerful message. A great reminder that this is an important weekend to express genuine love for mothers if they're still with you and to, to say to them how much you appreciate them. How can we help? We just have a few seconds, but you tell us how we can help children deal with so many of the issues they're facing. Well, first of all, you know, time. You know, that's something that we, we, we can't get back, you know, and when you give someone your time, you give them a part of your life. And I think we've got to spend more time with each other, spend more time talking to each other instead of about each other. Hmm. Families have got to start having dinners together. What a simple thing, but powerful. Mark, I want to say to you, thank you, my friend. Thank you. What a joy to have you, and thank you for what you're doing for kids all across thank this you. great country of ours. Well, Keith is standing by to let us know how we can get involved, so we're going to turn it over to Keith. Well, if you want Mark to share his message of hope at your organization or school, just visit thinkpaws.org to find out how. And if you need some inspiration, follow Mark on social media at Mark Miro and on his YouTube channel, The Mark Miro. Next, award-winning performer's Point of Grace will wow you in song. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. And welcome back. I've been so looking forward to this segment of the program because these are some of my very favorite people on <laughs> earth. My next guests have sold over 8 million records as a vocal group in Christian music. Their latest album is called Beautiful Name. It's a collection of hymns and worship songs. And they're also, as I said, very dear friends. Would you welcome Denise Jones, Lee Capolino, and Shelley Breen. Ladies and gentlemen, Point of Grace. Welcome back. Great having you guys back. You know, most Christian vocal bands, they don't last 25 years. Well. I mean, you guys are kind of, you know, you're breaking the mold completely. Why are you lasting when other vocal groups are not able to do it? Oh, I would probably start with our families. They've just been beautiful examples of raising us to stay committed and uh, use our manners. You know, just use manners. <laughs> Wow, what a novel concept, manners. <laughs> we don't see that very much, uh, not anymore. <laughs> you guys have a big weekend this weekend we on Mother's do. Day weekend called yes. Circle of Friends. You have fans out here in the audience. And, and we are so happy to have you back. You know, as I've told you, you are always welcome on this show anytime. Aww. Keith Bilbrey is out in the audience. He's making himself a little bit friendly with oh. some of Point of Grace's Circle of Friends. Now, Keith, be careful out there. <laughs> But can you and some of your friends tell the people at home how they can get their copy of Beautiful Name? I want to hear some enthusiasm here. Huh? Yeah! We sure can, Governor. And Brenda Kaufman is here to, to do it. Now, you're on the Huckabee Show. Don't be nervous. Just millions of people watching all over the country. You go. Point of Grace's Beautiful Name is a collection of hymns and worship songs which you can find online. Excellent job, Brenda. And right now, you can also find uh, more about Point of Grace and even get autographed copies of their CDs, as well as find out about their upcoming tours at pointofgrace.net. And now, here to sing is Point of Grace.
death's cold wave, I will.